Doctor? Come on, what? What? Always do the right thing. Get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> Shit just got real. Better alive, you are coming with me. Samsonite! That was way off. Welcome to Very Famous Movie Podcast. I'm Sean Robb. I'm John Valley. And I am Robert Jordan Hunt. And we're celebrating Valentine's Day in our finest lingerie as we stuff our face with disgusting chocolates and watch The Wedding Singer. That's right. We are discussing 1998's classic rom-com, The Wedding Singer, on its 25th birthday. We're going to go over Adam and Drew being a brand new duo in the rom-com-verse and how this movie may have preceded the Happy Madison Deluge. If you stick around to the end of the episode, we'll be going over Oscar nominaciones gossip. Jordan, why don't you kick us off here and tell us, uh, what did you think of The Wedding Singer? Did you see it when it came out? Uh, Have you ever seen it? (laughs) <laughs> I have seen it, and actually, uh, I, I do remember, I did see this one in theaters. It might have been my first Adam Sandler movie in theaters. How old are you? I know, 57. Okay. <laughs> That's a good age. Thank you. Yeah. I had seen Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, but I think it was only at home, you know, like on cable or rented it or whatever. I was 12 years old when it came out, so I was the ripe, the perfect age for to be an Adam Sandler fan, right? Of course. Um, I loved this movie then. I've always been weird in that I loved rom-coms, even as a kid. Um, I think this movie has held up extremely well 25 years later. Mm. It, I think it's one of the more <laughs> normal uh, Adam Sandler movies, especially from that era. You mm. know, when I say normal, just like it, it, it sticks to um, the typical rom-com structure. Yeah. Right. And wasn't and, insufferably loud or uh, needling. Right. Right. I, there's not even like a high concept, you know, like man goes back to kindergarten or, you know, a hockey player becomes insanely good golfer. Like there, there's yeah. no weird... Um, kick, which, you know, he would take that later and like click, for example, high concept mm-hmm. comedies. This is very grounded, feels like it takes place in the real world for the most part. I, I, I just, I think it's a really fun romantic comedy. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, when the movie came out, I, I don't know if it, I connected with it as much as a kid, obviously, because of the time it came out. Sure. I was a big uh, Happy Gilmore fan. I wanted mm-hmm. the silly, dumb voices from Adam Sandler. Right. Which I still appreciate and love those movies. Yeah. Uh, but when you look back on something like The Wedding Singer, it, it's, I don't want to say mature, but it is a more well-rounded, focused movie than some of the the more slapstick uh, Sandler projects. And it does have a extremely fun and unannoying 80s soundtrack. I totally. Think. Where I, I feel like the all the music is very considered for it. You know, obviously it's a very music heavy movie. It's about a guy who's a performer, wedding singer. Um, so there are a lot of really good cover versions of popular oh, yeah. 80s pop songs. And a couple really, uh, I think, inspired Adam Sandler originals that kind of tie the whole movie together. And I think it's so fun. Yeah, I, along with the rest of humanity, love this movie as mm-hmm. well. Um, I will say rewatching it was very strange. Uh, it had that pre-internet innocence to it that mm, was totally. uh, pretty loud and obvious. And for a movie that is pretty grounded and, and trying to be realistic, it's actually kind of strange and, and and theatrical, which makes sense that it would then go on to be a pretty successful musical. But yeah, it, it almost has like this veneer of adjacent to David Lynch kind of world. If you start looking at a lot of the production design and the costumes and Adam Sandler has used uh, David Lynch actors throughout his movies. So there was this weird connection that I had never made before because it's been a while since I've seen this movie, but all that weirdness aside, it is delightful. And Drew Barrymore is 
sort of at her zenith in my opinion as oh, far yeah. as just that sheer adorable charm yeah. you know and she is so amazing in this movie and just mm. so like movie star qualities that just some people just have yes you know and it, it, it is sparkling here yes she she's definitely like born for the screen and yeah. I'd be curious to see how she got involved with the project or how how they roped her in or if it was just you know, good timing and happenstance. Because yeah. at the time, I think Drew Barrymore was trying to be just more cognizant of her career and make more uh, decisive choices with what she was doing. You know, like she she, she, she overhauled her complete image. Yeah, like, with, yeah. with movies and Ever After, which came out the same year, Never Been Kissed. After that, this very innocent, sweet persona. Whereas mm-hmm. in the early '90s, like she she was the bad girl, right? Yes. Right. But well, I mean, you're hanging out in nightclubs at exactly. you know. Ten years old her or history. whatever it is, you know, yes. probably yeah. doing a lot of weird insolacious things right. for a child. Drinking soda after eight PM. Yeah, right. you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, she she had totally like overhauled her career herself. I mean, she yeah. really because she's became a very successful producer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think still is. And I mean now she's a TV personality, but took her career and, and ran with it and like turned it up into what it is today. Yeah, one of the coolest stories about that, not that we like to spend too much time talking about genre films or even movies like Scream, but um <laughs> Apparently she, they wanted her as uh, Sydney. Sydney Prescott in Scream, and she said no, but she would play this intro character and wanted to kind of do a, a psycho flip where you think that the movie is about Drew, right. and then she's Killed go- off gone the first within the first minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah, and like she sort of paved the way for Nev Campbell and like those types of actors to kind of fill the spot. So yeah, yeah, to, to that, you know, n- not to sit on this for too long, but like this was such a cool evolution for her and she really held her own against one of the loudest and kind of biggest stars of the time, you know, going, going against Adam Sandler. It's definitely a vehicle for him, but I think she is kind of the the gem that comes out at the end and that that ending scene on the airplane as kind oh, of crazy man. as it is when you actually stop to think about oh, of course. what's yeah. going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's so many moments like that in this movie where I remembered it so much more, just being so much more normal and grounded. But right. then you, you see how these events kind of get set up, and it's insane. Even the like their first kiss, right? I was like what? Yeah. It is like, insane. I totally forgot about you. This. You got you. You perform the first wedding kiss. Yeah. Show me, and I'll be the. It, it's it's totally contrived. It's sitcom level. Uh, yes. Uh, what's the word? Convention. Convention or Fodder, logic. Tropes. Logic. Yeah. You know, there's. Something lovable about that that format in in all rom coms. I think all the I best rom coms, clearly they're not based in reality. Clearly, right. that's not how a real relationship comes to fruition. You know, you're you're looking to a happy ending, and there are some circumstances throughout that make you think, oh, maybe that it won't work out, but it always does, and and that's what we like about it. I totally agree, and it, it's interesting watching this movie and looking back at Adam's career from then to now is fascinating to me. Like, especially that this movie came out after Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, mm-hmm. it's like they really figured out the formula, right? I mean, like as funny as Billy and Happy are, they're, they're much more, I'd say, zany. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the typical Adam Sandler voices, which we all love and it's great, but like, he, they really... Do we? <laughs> we do. Do we love that voice? We, we do. We did. We did. But I mean, like, they just figured out a way to break into the mainstream. You know what I mean? They they right. toned it down just a little bit. They plugged a lot of heart in there, which Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, I'm not not to say that they, they'd had zero heart, but it wasn't... I think there's a... a lot of heart in those movies, but it is... 
like you said, not as grounded. It's not as grounded, and they really amped it up here. And I think, and same with, I mean, almost every movie ever since then. I mean, Big Daddy, Click, all those movies have big emotional endings or whatever, or or, or Little plots. Nicky, Little Nicky, yeah. you know, the Devil's Son. But it, it's just fascinating to see. It's like this is really the movie. It kind of clicked in Adam Sandler's career. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? I think Adam Sandler plays a great straight man, as as wacky yeah. as he is at times in Wedding Singer. He kind of is the grounded and understanding person, and everybody else around him is kind of a little nuts. Absolutely. And like all of his friends, his bandmates, they're all a little weird and, and offbeat. And I think that's interesting to see in Sandler's career because when you look back, he's always the weird one. Right. He's always the wacky, over-the-top character. And to see him work in that environment is really just a testament of how good of an actor he really is and just took us a while to really realize that, I think. To that point with these characters... Uh, I'm about to compare Adam Sandler to like the Coen brothers Mm -hmm. and uh, Martin (laughs) Scorsese, but like his movies are always filled with these excellent uh, side characters that really undergird any of the kind of uh, obvious or tropey stuff that kind of like drives the main plot, but it's just surrounded by these hysterical, bizarre character actors. And also to that point, it's like the movie has some pretty cringy moments that a a lot of comedies from the 90s suffer from. But they're all done from the perspective of like, well, these are all the main character's friends and he yeah. loves them and right. he works with them. Yeah. So it's this weird transition of like really offensive comedy at times, very dated stuff. But when you look at the perspective of how does the main character view it, it's all out of love and sort of understanding, which it, is, yeah. I don't know how much, how designed that was, but it is interesting just in the history of uh, being a little bit more cognizant about subject material in movies and kind of what it does to us, the viewers. Yeah. Because they're all kind of like at the bottom rung of, of this particular society. And then the, the conflict is uh, Julia Gulia's fiance is kind of this. Don Johnson yep. piece of yeah. shit. Yep. 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 There yeah. you go. Yeah. And they keep talking about what's it? He's like on Wall Street and they keep reminding you that he's the sort worst. of the apex yeah. Of, yeah. of society. It's fun to kind of be a weirdo. And right. it, the wardrobe in The Wedding Singer is absolutely outrageous. Uh, I, and the locations. Yeah, like, the locations yeah. are great. It makes you feel like you're in just jersey yeah it's like you're in a you're an extra in a bruce springsteen video (laughs) yeah uh, we're just hanging out under the fucking highway overpass and i you know alan covert who's in uh, tons of the sandler movies and almost all of them almost all of them plays his uh his best friend, I guess, in the, in the limo, movie, his limo driver, his limo driving best friend. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that there's so many great things happening in this movie, especially wardrobe wise. When you look at Alan Covert throughout the film yeah. and just, I mean, him it is coming in truly with the thriller jacket and, <laughs> and the, the glove. glove. Yes. So funny. I love all those elements of that movie and even him kind of dealing with his own personal issues throughout. And so you have all these nice moments of levity with all these characters kind of coming to terms with who they are as people. And Mm. I think that's really great. Yes. If David Lynch could write an accessible comedy, it would be something like The Wedding Singer or whatever, you know. For my money, it is it is perfectly expressed with the John Lovitz oh, character and the John oh Lovitz God. scenes. Absolutely, one that of is the such a high point. Ugh. Greatest cameos ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah watching For it this week, real. I just died again. Like he yeah. is so fucking funny, and it's really nice to see. Uh, he kind of got some love recently because his old mm. uh, John Lovitz old SNL character is very much similar to this congressman, right, uh, George Santos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so he did some bits on. Uh, it was one Fallon, of the late night shows. Yeah, Fallon. And it's just so nice to be reminded of just how funny John Lovitz is. And I feel like he he definitely had his run and, and he has some uh, amazing work to kind of go seek out. But 
I wish I, I wish we just could have seen way more of it. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's clear as day that we fucking hate this movie, and so does the yeah. rest of the planet. But yeah. uh, Jordan, when this movie came out way back when, twenty five years ago in nineteen ninety eight, the year that Godzilla came out, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> how did this movie perform? What what was what was the budget? Let's let's talk brass tacks here. I want budget comparison to uh, box office and yes. uh, box what, orifice. Box <laughs> orifice. What did this do? Uh, for Adam Sandler's career, uh, it changed everything. Sincerely, because everything changed. <laughs> it did. Like Adam Y two K. Billy Madison came out, did about twenty five million, which the movie didn't cost anything, so it was a success, right? Mm. Especially with VHS. Happy Gilmore uh, makes more, thirty six million. Corporate um, sponsorships, big time in Happy Gilmore. Totally, yes. totally. So it's like he's on he's on the rise. But Wedding Singer came out, opened on the ninth weekend of. Titanic being number one, Valentine's Day weekend, uh, February 1998, opens up to $18 million, his biggest opening by far. The budget was $18 million, so in the green, three days in, ends up grossing $80 million domestically and $120 million worldwide, which for uh, a small romantic, especially a, a small Adam Sandler movie, mm-hmm. gigantic. The reviews were good, too. Like It was well-received across the board. The soundtrack was huge. Um, it's it, a hit. It was a hit. And I mean, and then like 10 months later, The Waterboy came out and doubled mm-hmm. that gross. Which is so, it's like such an interesting progression because yeah. it is like the same team of people working yeah. on these movies yeah. uh, from Billy Madison on up to like Waterboy and, and on and on. But just like again, to just go back to how weird it is to see Adam Sandler just play this basically straight character yeah. in Wedding Singer. And, and he to blows get all up. the success, and then to be like, oh, the next movie I'm going to do is just another like wacky goofball comedy, and not continue on this like sort of more serious. Oh sure, path. not that the wedding singer is serious, but you know he had it's more of like a leading man role, totally, than necessarily Waterboy, right? Uh, where he's basically playing a like handicapped man. Yes, <laughs> yes, um, yeah. It, it's pretty. It's pretty remarkable trying to explain the plot of that movie to somebody who I doesn't know. know it. That uh, one's a bit of a. That's a slippery slope. On yeah, that I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen that movie in a very yeah. long time, so I don't know it's what rough. it'd be like. Still funny <laughs> in the just you know have a couple of beers and uh, right. just turn off your brain a little right. bit. And, I mean, still Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Movie was huge, but I mean, also for Drew Barrymore, she she was in Scream as we mentioned before, but I mean, after this, she had. The Wedding Singer, Ever After, which was huge. Never oh, yeah. Been Kissed, which made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, it, for both of them. You've never been kissed. It's true. Yeah. It's true. His wife won't do it. That's why it's my mm-hmm. favorite movie. Oh. I can relate. Yeah. You are I've also young snuck, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say. So, okay. Yeah. So, uh, as, as you have uh, illustrated uh, beyond interest, uh, <laughs> the movie was a success. And then this kicks off a incredibly successful, alive and well to this day, production company pursuit on adam sandler's part uh this movie may have been what sort of made it possible for adam sandler to start the uh, happy madison yes uh, productions pictures i think it's productions productions i think i think the wedding singer is the movie yeah because the first happy madison movie was deuce bigelow in 99 Mm. so right after right yeah because i mean waterboy came out late 1998 and even though it was huge I mean, Deuce Bigelow already had to be like going, and I mean, 
again, Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison were hits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so he was definitely thinking, okay, let me more low budget comedies with my friends. And this is at a time Hollywood was cranking out $10 million comedies all crazy, the fucking time. Yeah. It's crazy. Because good you know, old days. Even if you make $25 million, you, you got you got VHS, you got HBO, like you're still making all, all the money. So even if I don't like them, I, I think it's cool that. All those guys are still just making projects with their friends. I agree. And at a certain point, you got to be like, I don't even know if this is for anybody but them. Right. And it's just like, hey, we can make a little paycheck, have fun, produce it ourselves, and we know it's going to be somewhat profitable. Right. You know, they're going to make enough money to make it make sense. And it's like, what a dream, you know? Like, that's, I think that's what everybody in Hollywood would like to be at to some degree. It's like, I work with the people I especially in comedy. Totally. Oh, yeah. It's like I want to work with these people because my, it works. My friends. And there's a shorthand when you work with people comedically. Totally. And that's why he's used yeah. like the same four directors almost his entire career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like for every whatever perceived misstep or anything with the happy medicine stuff, there's some really great gems like thrown yeah. in. Even stuff like Grandma's Boy for people that like dumb shit stoner comedies. Totally. It's like that's peak. peak. Yeah, it's definitely peak. <laughs> And oh. so I think that uh, <laughs> well, Sean and I watched that movie a lot. We when did it watch came it a lot. Like, so maybe was... it's not good, but uh, Jordan and I—it's uh, still funny, man. And you know, we're totally sober when we did it. It's yeah, true. Yeah, we, don't, we don't do any substances here <laughs> beyond Mountain Dew. <laughs> great, great movies. It, 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 and it's, it, the, the success of this stuff also then sets Adam Sandler up to to do really, really cool projects later, right? right? Like that's yeah. how he gets into. Like how he can do a movie like Uncut Gems, which is very unfavorable, very disgusting character and kind of right. seedy. And he's able to play with his brand like that because these other movies are so successful. So then he gets to help really put a light on interesting indie filmmakers. And he he gets to prove how how great he is. And it was interesting to your point earlier of like you see his acting chops for the first time in The Wedding Singer. Totally. And it starts to make sense why he is such a great actor now and has right. this like amazing screen presence. There's just such a a vulnerability and heart that he has that's sort of wrapped in this like hulking kind of angry, loud yeah. character. Uh, like like you see in uh, Punch Drunk Love. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, when did that come out? 2002. So ah. four years after this, which is kind of crazy. Because, I mean, like Big Daddy was... I think the biggest hit at that point, Little Nicky had bombed, but yeah, it's crazy that that came out so soon mm-hmm. after that, like so soon after he ballooned, you know, after he exploded. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously we still talk about that movie, but that movie made no money. You know, it was an awards contender, but... Punch Drunk Love? Punch Drunk Love. But mm-hmm. to, get, to get in in that point in uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's career, totally. to really prove a point that you have chops, and it's, it's... I think I'm very envious of Sandler's career in that way because... Like we were talking about him having this ability to do these kind of schlocky goofball comedies with his friends and simultaneously do these really powerful, I, I would say Oscar worthy performances and these uh, really inspired like indie films or working with these kind of more film auteurs like the Softy Brothers or PTA or anybody yeah. like that. And some people see- call us the Softy Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, do they? <laughs> Um, anyway, all very famous soft. movie podcast is presented by Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it's it's cool to see that he has that range and is the kind of actor that has really paved his own path totally in, in the industry. Where, like, how many other actors can be like, I'm gonna do 20 shitty, like, pot- like arguably pretty bad comedies with my buds, and 
I don't give a shit, and I'm still going to get these other roles. And mm-hmm. I'm going to per- outperform what people even expected of me. And I think for a seemingly fairly egoless star yeah. who still shows yes. up to interviews in sweatpants and t-shirts, which right. I fucking love. You know, also just to his credit, like he was one of the first oh, big Hollywood stars to like sign up with Netflix. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I remember at the time that was like, oh man, he's like hit rock bottom. Like that's right, what that's, that right. was the perception, but it turned out to be extremely lucrative for him. And now it's, time. it's, that's almost the norm, right? I mean, I would, he's still got to be one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, right? I mean, there's, oh, absolutely. There's, there's no denying that. And there's like, no, nobody's been as consistent for this amount of time. I feel, or like to just be working and constantly surprising people since yeah. SNL, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a lot to be said, especially in the comedic world, you know, totally. it's, it's to remain relevant for that long and, and for people to still be clamoring for more performances, <laughs> for real, more man. kinds of performances. Well, at like, this point, really like our, our generation that grew up with them are the one before us are like showing their kids. Yeah. You know, I mean, also him making family films has only expanded his brand. Right. Of course. That's and the it, beauty of like comedy too, is that if you, if you really nail it and, and make something important, uh, it gets remembered for a right. very long time. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Here we are talking about the wedding singer 25 years later. So we clearly have a uh, great appreciation for Adam Sandler and all the things that he does and this really specific uh, part of the industry that he has remained king of for, you know, going on 30 30 years. years. Yeah. Can you think of a single actor who has done more sports movies than Adam Sandler? Interesting. Mm. All right. Well, that's uh, that's enough um, gooey slobbing on the uh, Happy Madison verse, Adam Sandler and the great Drew Barrymore. We're talking Hollywood goss right now. The big goss in town is all things Oscar nominations. Everybody's getting ready. Who's going to take home gold? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with our best actress category, Jordan. So there was some controversy with actress Andrea Riseborough, who you might remember from the movie Mandy, where she plays Mandy. Yes. Also, I mean, she's just one of those actors. Possessor. 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 Right. She's been around for a while now and she always puts in amazing performances but she kind of snuck in and got a nomination for her latest role to leslie which is very small uh independent movie that not a lot of people saw um it was kind of a grassroots campaign her friends who are a lot of actors pushed for and she made it in but the academy isn't really happy about it and you know why why is it jor they kicked out jared leto for his performance in morbius there it is if she hadn't gone in on that fifth slot jared would have been nominated he would have and apparently there was like a a very concerted effort on the part of sony pictures and the uh the oscars board of executives why else would they release it in theaters twice to work yeah to work in uh some some oscar love for uh, jared leto's morbius to proceed morbius two three and four which Mm -hmm. are in the can at this point i believe absolutely absolutely yeah specifically what they were going to try to do to work him in because they knew that abadar 2 was coming out and so it wasn't going to get nominated again for uh best best computer graphics um but uh they did they did uh they did the math and they figured out that there was really only going to be uh the only way uh, you could win for is... for chica benitas right to to get in this year for oscars so for they best thought, actress specifically yeah they thought jared leto could get in there and and kind of you know sneak in and, and and get that fifth uh best actress nomination mm-hmm um, but yeah, so the the Oscars are currently deciding whether they want to revoke Andrea they're, Rice Bear, 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 Rice Rice, Rice Aroni, uh, yeah. They're they're looking into Andrea it. Rice they're, they're looking in to see if if if, if it's a 
if it was a legit. So we're we're asking our fans of the VMPB to hashtag release Morbius. Release the Snyder Cut of Morbius, yeah. please. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut of Morbius, please. Um, <laughs> if you could if you could help us in that effort to get the rest of Hollywood to open their fucking ohos and realize that Jared Leto is truly 2023's uh, best leading actress. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of Very Famous Movie Podcast and stay tuned for our next episode where we thrust deep into Magic Mike The Last Dance. Follow us on social media and stay tuned for more content and listen wherever podcasts are available. Wow.